Welcome to Money with Alpha, where I share simple tips for how to make, save and invest money while also connecting your values with your lifestyle so you can achieve the life you really want. You will also hear interviews from real people as they share the ups and downs of their money journey. After all, we are all on a journey and what better way to learn about money than to hear what hasn't and has worked. Okay, um, welcome to this episode. And today I have the lovely MG on the call. Uh, now, I've only recently met MG, and this is probably the first time we've really talked one on one. And um, but the, the things I've been listening to and watching what you do has been, um, it's pretty incredible. And the, the unstoppable words, you get that vibe and that energy from you, which, uh, which is amazing. So we'll, we'll launch sort of into a little bit at first of uh, who you are and what you do. And then I'll start to ask some more probing money questions. Exciting. So, Thank you so much for having me. Welcome. So, yeah, so tell us a bit about yourself, um, where you've come from, what you do now, um, and the, the journey that sort of brought you to this point. And then we'll, um, I mean, the money side's always there, but just your personal journey to start with. And, uh, and then I'll, I'll delve into some money questions. Yeah, sure. And look, I could go on forever about my personal journey. I've written a book about it, in fact. Um, but I think probably to, to summarize, I'm a business and mindset coach and I work with female entrepreneurs who want to be unstoppable in business, which is pretty much everyone. <laughs> Because ultimately, we want to be able to keep the momentum going in our business and not get stuck all the time. And stuckness is a feeling or an experience that I work with a lot of women on. And I kind of came into this work through a natural progression because I previously was a mindset coach and working with women with young kids. I am a mother of, of young children myself and realizing how important mindset was, I was coaching those women in their mindset and helping them to rediscover themselves in motherhood. I became quite successful in that and I then had other coaches reach out to me and say, how did you become successful in this? And therefore, that naturally progressed into me helping others with their coaching business. And it's expanded beyond that now. So I work with product-based businesses, all sorts of online service-based businesses. Uh, it's actually really fun working with a variety of businesses. I've got some really interesting product-based clients now, which is something that I previously didn't have any experience in. But it doesn't matter because they still want to be unstoppable and they still have to learn those internal tools and strategies to become unstoppable in their business. Tracking back even further, I actually have a degree in marketing, which I got in like 2007. Don't know how relative it is now because social media wasn't really a thing. I think we had MySpace but, you know, like Facebook, Instagram was not a thing. Uh, I feel like I totally just waltzed my way through that degree talking. Can I swear on your podcast? <laughs> I was going to say talking shit. Like it just didn't feel that relative at that point in time. And I think things were changing so quickly. But I got a marketing degree. I just loved the university lifestyle and didn't really work in marketing for very long because I actually found what I hated about it was that I felt that I was manipulating people to buy shit that they didn't need and that didn't fit right in my values. I ended up becoming a teacher 
uh, from there. And teaching is a hard gig. Hats off to anyone who is a teacher. And also if you aren't a teacher, but you know a teacher, like show them love. They have a really hard job. My husband still works in education and oh gosh. So (laughs) we won't go there. That could be a whole podcast episode. But I do think that my teaching also now comes through in the work that I do and the marketing, even though it was really a foundational level, that degree and the way things have changed. That comes now into my work because marketing is super important. Teaching is super important. Communicating the message and sharing it in a way that helps people to learn. uh, It's all really moved together quite nicely and It's interesting because it looks like I've had that many career changes, (laughs) but they all fit in really nicely now with what I do. And I finally feel like I've gotten to the point where I'm like, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to be. And one of the things I love to talk about in my work is money. I still have my own money journey to continue on because I have ambitions of running a seven figure business by 2025. And I have to do a lot of work to get to that point. And when I say work, it's not like work as in work, work. It's inner work and learning and all that kind of thing. But, you know, up until probably 18 months ago, there is no way I would have said, yeah, I want to make seven figures in a year. No way. So it's already been a journey. The journey is ongoing and I'm very open in talking about it, which is why when we connected through that online networking event, I thought, you know, this is the kind of topic that I love to talk about. Um, so, yeah, and that's why I'm here. So I'm excited to share this with everyone. Oh, that's great. Yes, there's, there's so many little gems in there that I, I want to um sort of pick up on as well and funnily enough I also have a marketing degree didn't really use it much either for similar reasons um but um but I I I enjoy the teaching process and I've been doing some homeschooling for the last um few months so I'm I'm very very <laughs> impressed with how teachers can can manage it on a daily basis yeah um, with 25 or so kids in a class oh my goodness it's nuts yeah <laughs> so oh my wow um the mindset side is extremely important um And to a certain extent, everything in your life that you've done has led you up to this point. So to a certain extent, there's a a knowledge of what you don't know. And if you, if we dial back just for a moment, I'll come back to present day and future, future as well. When you go back to the way you were raised. So as a child, what did money sound like, feel like, what's the impression that you have now of the way you saw money as a child? So I had a very split belief because I had parents that split at a very young age with two very different beliefs about money. It was probably part of the reason they separated. And, you know, my dad, it was all about you must work hard. He still, you know, works seven days a week and he should be retiring, but, you know, has that kind of mentality and we can't afford anything. You can't leave the tap on for too long because it'll cost too much money and water, all of that kind of mentality. Whereas my mum loves spending money. She now makes plenty of money and she just loves buying things for everyone. She loves buying things for herself. She uses shopping as therapy, 100%. But like they're literally at opposite ends of the spectrum. And so I've over time felt really divided in the way that I use money. And so it's like this constant battle in my head of I should be doing this. No, I should be doing that. 
with my money. And that's been quite hard to navigate where I sit in all of that because obviously I've taken all of that on from my parents over time. But now I am aware of it. Obviously, I'm, I'm starting to create my own stories. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of guilt that goes with that. I, mm. I even noticed myself with my daughter and leaving the tap on. It's not about, oh, we can't afford the water. It's we're saving the environment. Yes. So we, we reframe it. And quite often it, it is a reframe, um, but it's also a lot of lack. So if there's, there was a lot of lack and there's two different ways that a lot of people can go either overcompensating or hoarding, like or keeping it even more. So it's, um it's interesting, Jen. So how old were you when you started to realize that there was this conflict in yourself in relation to the way you'd seen money growing up? And then what did, A, was there a trigger that helped you realize that? And if not, or what happened next that got you on the journey to realizing that there was some money inner work to be done? It was when I was teaching that, and it was probably in the early days of teaching, and I think being a teacher, you start to recognise how much adults influence the way that children think. And I was also starting up little side hustles here and there as a teacher, and, you know, my parents would be like, what are, what are you doing? You know, aren't you a teacher? Why are you doing this and that and the other thing? And just, you know, trying a little bit of, whatever, to see what else was possible. And I realised that, okay, I've started to take on some of their baggage around money and then it was more of a rejection of, okay, well, I just won't tell them what I'm doing rather than recognising that I could, you know, accept them for who they are and for the stories that they gave to me and still develop my own. But, yeah, that was about 10 years ago now, if not more. I lose track of time as I get older. Well, when was that? The recent sort of events as well kind of helps, kind of becomes a pre and post sort of thing. You're like, I lost a couple of years in there and now I've lost track even more. Yeah, Um, so it might have been more than 10 years ago, but around about then. Yeah. So on the teaching front, um, this, like I said, so many questions, so many directions I could go. But do you now teach your children about money? This is something we've been talking about, my husband and I, because they're still quite young. They're four and almost seven. But we've just started with my seven-year-old having a payday mm-hmm. where, you know, she works towards her her pay and then we've been following the barefoot investor suggestions for families and having the three jars yeah. which she can see the money in and we definitely like the look of that so far but honestly we are still learning about that because you know they are still quite young but we do really want them to have more knowledge than the two of us ever had when it comes to money, because both of my husband and I, we grew up in families where, you know, his family was, we don't talk about money, or if we do, it's like gossip, you know, and it's split his family apart in some ways, which is horrible. And that's not what we want. And we also don't want them to think, you know, you must work to the bone, or you must spend money to be happy, all of that kind of thing. You know, we want to, we want to help them develop skills but then also develop the best beliefs for themselves. Yeah. You know, instead of it being like, you must believe this in order to be good with money, it's what do you think is going to serve you best? And that's the intention going forward. I don't know how we're doing that yet. (laughs) We'll figure it out as we go. (laughs) And the child's personality 
um, kicks into it as well. Like my, my daughter's about to turn seven and um, she has her jam jars and she's not hugely interested in them unless it comes to spending them. <laughs> That's exactly. Well, we must have a very similar almost seven-year-old. <laughs> yeah. So, but the give, the give money I found has always been an interesting thing. So we've recently, because of COVID, it's been very difficult because I wanted her to physically give the money, not just me donate online. Um, and events weren't happening. And we recently went to an, she loves animals and children are the two sort of um, causes that she's chosen. Um, so we went to an event recently where it was for the RSPCA um, and um, that was sort of animal shelters and that kind of thing. So she actually physically got to give. She's like, mama, this feels nice. And I was like, yeah, yes. you can give good. and feel good about it at the same time. Yeah. Um, now on the, so relationships is another thing. So what, what I see a lot of, and like you saw with your parents, it was a very divisive topic. It creates a lot of stress on a relationship when there is not alignment. And very often I will see there's a spender in the family and there's a saver. <laughs> and it's not always the traditional, I, I get this stereotype a lot that, oh, the woman spends the money and the man makes it. I mean, that is so antiquated. It's not even funny. Um, but it's it, it can be either either member in a, in a relationship. How have you found it with, with your husband? And do you talk about money in terms of how you see it, what you your plans are for it? Do you know who's more conservative, who's perhaps a little bit more risk, who likes to take a bit more risk? Um, how does that play into your relationship? So my husband and I complement each other very well because we are polar opposites in money, but also like overall, he is very rooted in safety and I'm very rooted in danger. <laughs> so I love taking risks. I love like just throwing everything away and starting again and just like having fun with it. I find that fun, whereas that stresses him out. So you can already imagine what that's like in terms of money. Mm-hmm. But over time, so we've been married for eight years now. And over time, we have had to navigate that in our relationship quite heavily because there was a point where it was a huge divide in our relationship. And at that point, we both had to go and do some internal work independently around what it was because I was blaming him for not letting me, you know, be what I wanted to be by spending the money on what I wanted to spend the money on. And he was fearful of spending money, even though we have plenty of money, in my opinion, obviously that's a, again, that's a perception, right? So we've had to do work separately and then come back together and then have those conversations, but it is very open now. However, like I said, we've been married for eight years, so it definitely wasn't right at the beginning. You know, when we first got together, we were both, we both were double income, no kids. We had plenty of money. We were teaching rurally and getting paid quite good money and had like our accommodation paid for we didn't even have to think about money really we were just living our life it was great but then you know once you have kids and you build a house and you start getting investment properties and all of this there's so many things to think about and I think we grew faster than our like our investments grew faster than our mental capacity to manage them and so then we had to go whoa whoa hold up And it was a conversation we actually had earlier this year. We were going to build an Airbnb at the back of our property and we've got the money sitting there in our bank account and we were ready to go, but there was something holding us back. And we worked out that what it was, was that we realized we'd been neglecting our relationship and we were better off investing the money into our relationship than putting that money into that property 
because at the end of the day, if we put the money into the property and we separate in two years' time and have to <laughs> separate the assets, what was the point, right? Yeah. So we invested, obviously not the full amount because it's quite a lot of money, but he went and did his own personal development program, which has been amazing because, you know, we've been able to have these incredible conversations and we've looked at, you know, going on couples retreats and things like that. And even though there's no return on investment as such, you know, we're not getting money back from that. Yeah. Divorces cost a lot of money, right? Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of stress. Yeah. But also we want to work on this. So that's an investment. There's a, the return on investment is our relationship. Yeah. So, and that's, that's a very important thing too, because when you, it's the, again, it comes down to the inner work and what's actually what you value the most in life. Mm-hmm. And if it's the, the relationship that's important and the, the, so the, I hesitate to use quality of life, but it's the, the type of life that you see around you and it's the lifestyle that you want. Um, it's worth working on and everything takes work. There's, there's not a single part of life unless you're one of these really lucky people that can eat what they want, which is probably very, very slim number of people, I think, in the world who are truly like that for their whole life, lifetime. <laughs> um, it's, it's well worth the work. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned so there's sort of a theme that runs through all of this, which is the mindset side mm-hmm. of things um and having been a mindset coach that will have come up a lot you will have seen a lot and you've done not just the work with the clients but your own inner work um when when you see stuff come up do you have um do you have a tool that you use like for instance i i have i use values so i, I do values quite a lot with my clients and whenever something triggers me i'll go oh how which which of my values is, is either being triggered or not being served um how do you when you're like for instance when you decided to make that um that investment in your relationship versus the the airbnb um what was the trigger um from sort of the inner work that you've done to make you change direction so i have so many tools it's ridiculous <laughs> because because of all the mindset work that i've done and i think the main thing that I use or question that I ask myself, I like to ask myself questions. Hmm. So inquiry questions that allow me to look at things from a different perspective, like you were saying, reframing. Uh, And it even can be related to my values if that's what I sense is coming up. But often the question is simply, what do I need right now? Or if I'm talking to someone else, what is it that you need right now? what could help you to shift past this and if you know they come up with I don't know it's well if you did know what would it be because I believe that with every problem there is a solution and that solution is found within you and often it's it's just hard to elicit it so it might be doing some journaling around that question and and getting that out it might be taking some space away from the hecticness you know like getting out into nature taking a day off giving yourself some space that's i think is one of the most important things especially in this day and age is that we get up in our head all the time we don't have any space to just be and as soon as we have that space answers just come through to us you know and that's the when they come through to you, that means it's come from you. You know, it's not like you've gone out and sought advice as such, but it's just come through to you. Sometimes you do need a coach to be there to guide you to actually do the things that are going to bring the answers through to you. And that's that's the beauty of the coaching process. And that's why, like, I always have a coach. You know, 
I've just recently invested in a mindset coach for myself, which I haven't had in a little while because I've had business coaches, but not mindset coaches. So I wish there was one answer to that, but there's just not. <laughs> there's so many ways forward, which is good, right? Yeah. When, you've, when you're stuck somewhere, when there's a problem, there are so many ways forward. If you just pick one way, you're in momentum. And then if for whatever reason that one way isn't the answer, you're already in momentum. And I use this as an analogy, like you're in a car. If your car is already moving, mm. you're already in momentum. It's easy to turn the wheel and go off in a different direction because you're already in momentum. Yeah. But if you're not moving and you try and turn the wheel, it's like, and the steering wheel doesn't want to go and the tires don't want to go. Yeah. So take one direction and then you can pivot if you want to. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And definitely I think it's important having that multifaceted kind of view because with physical body, something's wrong. We might go to the doctor, chiropractor, acupuncture. We don't even think about that. Um, if we have other areas of our life when you usually will find a, a professional, whether it be like an accountant or a lawyer or even a business coach to a certain extent, but that's the men- mindset side that um, that isn't always considered, which is like the foundation of everything. Um Onto sort of, sort of more tactical things financially. So uh, what are your thoughts on budgeting? Oh, I have some thoughts on budgeting. <laughs> <laughs> so I am not the budgeter in the family. My husband has a budget for our family. And so he manages that. And that works great in our family because he feels good about it. He makes sure all the money goes into the right accounts every payday. And that's great. I'm happy to outsource that to him. For me... I don't like to limit what I spend. I like to think of myself as I am I am a spender, but I spend on things that I love. You know, like this jacket that I'm wearing, you know, this is, was not a cheap jacket. I want to buy pieces that will last and will fill my cup for a long time and make me feel like a million bucks. You know, I ask my colour. Yes, oh, and I, obviously. I mean, we're both wearing pink. People in the podcast can't see that right now, but we totally planned this, right? Um, <laughs> so I don't like to think of myself as, is this in the budget? I'm more of a Marie Kondo, does this spark joy? <laughs> and what can I do to make it work into the budget more so, you know? I would rather spend the money on something that is going to bring me joy and know that I might just have to, you know, take on another client in order to, to pay for it. And I'm okay with that. I'm like, how can I create the money to afford the things I want to afford? And over time, you know, I, by doing that, I've made more money Yeah. because I'm constantly going, okay, well, this is something I really want to do. So what can I do to increase my income in order to increase what I want to spend money on. And I don't feel bad about that because I'm giving money back to the economy every time I spend. And I love supporting small business. I love engaging the services of other women who are solopreneurs. And, you know, and that's one of the things I love about Tina, who I know, you know, this is how we met through Tina Towers, her empire builder, is that she has her own mini economy. Yeah. You know, like she can hire people and help people. And, and that's exactly what, what I want to create. So, don't know how that quite answers the question about budgeting. It went a bit. <laughs> no, no, that's, that, that's a perfect answer because um, not that there's a right or wrong when it comes to these things because it is very individual, but it's more about the concept of abundance rather than lack. 
where you give yourself a ceiling and you, and the other thing is too, if you have a ceiling, you'll probably want to reach it. So you might not even need to spend that much on something, but you'll spend it because that's what you've got in your budget. So I'm actually not a big fan of budgeting either. Um, My husband and I are actually quite unique. We have very separate finances. Yep. So he he has his money, I have my money, and um, that way neither of us feel guilty about what we spend either. So he has, we have a boat, and the boat is sort of his thing, photography and travel and other than all my thing. So um, so we yeah so I so I agree I I'm, I fully agree with that that concept of not necessarily living. That said though, there are are people out there who do need to have some boundaries. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it's more important to understand the why behind why you want to buy something. Yeah. rather than um, the, oh, I just have a budget and I just want to spend this because it's in there or I feel good when I spend. You're like, hey, well, what is it about the spending? So, um, and again, with young children too, like they'll be, I want this, I want this, I want this. And <laughs> yes, and I sort of say to my daughter, well, you have this already. Why do you want that? So again, it's the why. It make, makes, if you stop for a moment to think, and again, that comes back to that having space to sort of think about things. Um, and not just kind of act, react all the time. It's it's sort of more conscious and deliberate. So yeah, I think that's that. it. It's the conscious spending. Yeah. Because yeah. I think once you get into a space of unconscious spending, that's when you spend money that you didn't need to and for reasons that are, you know, maybe not so favourable. Yes, that's it. And uh, if before you know it, you've got so much stuff around you and it's meaningless and you still don't feel whole. Mm. we've moved house uh that many times i couldn't even count how many houses my husband and i have lived in together and so we have it down to a fine art moving house but he loves decluttering so every time we've moved he'll be like right i'm going to the tip and he's just like i'm getting rid of all of this stuff and quite often you know the girl's toy room will be filled with stuff and he's like right you've got 10 minutes if this is not tidy, whatever is on the floor is going to the tip. He loves it. <laughs> oh, yes, I can. Yeah, I have to. I'm a bit like that with my daughter, especially leading up to her birthday, which is coming up. I was like, okay, we're going to go in and clean. Not that she actually gets that much for her birthday because I've really shrunk down um, what she gets because she just doesn't appreciate it. And it's overwhelming as well. So we actually don't even need that much stuff. And then you don't play well in her case. And even as grownups, we have stuff. We never use it. We never wear it. We don't play with it, whatever it happens to be. So you've mentioned um, investing a bit as well. So um, how how did you decide what kind of investments you wanted to get into and uh, what sort of an investor? Obviously, um, if you're a bit riskier, then you might like, I don't know, you might have crypto. Um, and in terms of property versus shares, and obviously the market's quite volatile at the moment, especially today, it's, it's having not having its best of days. Um, so what's, have you, how did you start the investing journey and what have you learned um, along the way? So I started the investing journey the same way that most people do with an investment property. And I've had a few investment properties. We now have none because they drove us insane. <laughs> investment properties. I don't know whether it was just bad luck or, you know, there was just so many things that went wrong with either tenants or the market neighbors even all of that kind of thing uh, but we did manage to sell and you know receive some money in the end which was okay but it was I don't know that it was really worth the stress to be honest it's something that we would consider in the future but I think at this point it's just actually nice not to have to think about it mm-hmm. and we're just kind of free from that world we have never invested in anything like shares 
it's something that I want to learn about. And this is the thing is I am now at the point where I can see the value in looking at those things, even though I have no idea how they work. Like I currently, it actually makes me think, how do I not know how this works? Like it seems like something I should know about, but I don't. And the thing is no one was born knowing this stuff. And so we've been on the lookout for someone to help us with learning about that kind of thing. And this is where, you know, the work, the kind of work that you do comes in. And there's so many financial coaches out there and it's kind of, you know, going out there, trying to find the right fit and then determining what you invest. We have just recently decided to invest in crypto. I know crypto before shares. Eh, yeah. Okay. So a bit, a bit risky. Uh, and that's crazy volatile, you know, like it changes every couple of hours crypto. And that's interesting. We literally just put in the minimum amount and just to kind of see what happens. And I think that's where we're at right now is going, okay, well, let's put some money somewhere, see what happens so that we can learn as we go, knowing that what we put in, it would be okay to lose, you know, not going in and thinking, well, I'm going to make $10,000 from $2,000 in five days or anything crazy like that. Because there's certainly some people out in the crypto world that claim that. Yeah. And I think the little red flag in me goes, hmm, you know, I'm here for the long haul and I know that that's a better way of looking at things rather than getting the whole shiny, oh, my God, I'm going to be a millionaire overnight way of thinking, uh, which interestingly my husband does go, he sees those shiny things and he's like, oh, people are making this much money? And I'm like, mm, I don't know if that's legal. When it comes to investing, the Mars-Venus thing really kicks in. Yeah. So, very yeah, interesting. I've noticed that there is there is very big difference in how women invest versus how men invest. Yeah. Um, yeah, where he wants to take more risks, whereas I'm more like, hold up, you know, like that doesn't sound right. Yeah. So anyway, we've got a, a few things in crypto that we're playing around with at the moment, but I would not be comfortable in sharing with anyone how I've done it because I don't know what I'm doing at this point. But that's the point, you know, we're, we're doing it so that we can learn as we go yeah. with an amount that we're comfortable investing and potentially losing uh, so that we can see what it's like, test the waters, learn, and then go from there. And that's the same with anything. I think it'll be the same for shares in the future as well. Uh, and knowing that I'm, list I'm listening to podcasts at the moment about it, you know, just starting to open up my knowledge so that I can then take that knowledge and take some action. But I'm still in the knowledge phase of the rest of those investments. Yeah. And I think that's a good way of doing it because it's, um, and the important part there is taking the action mm -hmm. uh, because it is, it, again, this comes down to values and and um, how people are raised and the, the limiting beliefs they've got, but they can get stuck in the knowledge cycle as well. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes you do need to jump in. But one of the, one of the biggest things I've ever learned about investing is to not try and time the market, <laughs> mm -hmm. even though, you know, right now, you know, when things, when things crash, you're like, you know, a lot of people freak out like, oh my God, there goes my whole life savings. And other people are like, yeah, now's the time to buy. So it's it's very much how how you look at things and um and what you want to do and how long you're investing for, uh, yeah. and the type of investor that that you want to be. So active or passive and all of that. And I I actually used I, I did some study on the on um like the real share investment, so candlestick charts and technical analysis and all of that. And what I realized. I've never actually bought an investment property because I watched my parents and what they went through and I went, no, 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 I'm not doing that. So I, I started looking at share investing and then I, I saw all the candlestick charts and all of this stuff and I was like, I'm going to have to be up at like 4 a.m. 
to wait till this market opens. And what I was just like, mm. <laughs> so my personal investment style is ETFs. So I, I tend to invest more in, in those and tend to balance the portfolio out. And the way you look at crypto is, is, is one way of having that balanced portfolio, which again is what I often find with property investment. There's a lot of money tied up in one single, not even investment class, but asset. Yes. <laughs> so it's, um, it's about having that more balanced view. And it's scary when you think about that much money in one asset because, you know, I think our first investment property was in Perth and we ended up losing over $100,000 because we built and then we sold when the market was low before COVID, not knowing that in COVID things were going to go like crazy in terms of property prices. Yeah. We were losing money every single week because we couldn't get enough rent to even just pay the mortgage, let alone all the extra things on top of that. Yeah. And so we were like, we just need to sell this now and get rid of it and cut our losses, not knowing that 12 months later, we could have sold it for like an extra $200,000 because we were told, you know, the market in Perth is going to take at least 10 years to get up to this point. So then we projected out, well, 10 years of us paying this much extra towards our mortgage plus this, plus this, not worth it. Let's get rid of it. Oh, we had waited 12 months. We would have been 20, laughing. 2021. It's yeah. a lot of money though, you know, like it's when it's property, you you know, we, we're talking hundreds of thousands that's right. Um, so I know we're, we're um, sort of running out of time. So I'll just ask two more questions. Um, one, in terms of a, a message that you would send to other women about money, um, what would you say? I would say that there is always more to learn. So don't feel like you need to know everything. Yeah. You know, there's, if we weren't born with the knowledge of how to utilize money. Yeah. So whatever it is you don't know, there's a way to learn it. Yeah, no, that's um, that's pretty pretty good advice across yeah everything. But yes, money especially. It's what um, I'm telling myself at the moment. So <laughs> yes, well, you know, we're always learning. You know, I yeah. I was um, I was doing some research on micro investing, and I've already done quite a bit of research on that. And then once again, there's there's new players in the market that change things. So you can even micro invest into Bitcoin now, which you wouldn't have been able wow. to do like two months ago. <laughs> Yeah. So things are constantly changing. So even when you think you know something, um, you, you've got to kind of keep up with it as well. So, um, but that's not to say that you don't do anything and just wait, start, and then you can add on and, you know, build it into the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, and one last question, how can people find out more about you and um, your book? I can see it behind you there. Yes. Um, <laughs> just, just, yeah. How, how do people find you? So you can find me on Instagram. That's probably the best place to connect with me. It's my social media poison of choice. Um, and that's at BeThinkDoCoaching. I can send you a link if you want. That could maybe go on the show notes. And the book, Uncertain to Unstoppable, it's all available on amazon.com.au. So make sure you go to .com.au, especially if you are in Australia, because if you go through .com, you pay an extraordinary amount in shipping. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's a good tip. All right, well, thank you very much, um, MG. It's been a pleasure having you on, and um, I look forward to talking to you again soon.